This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show. It's Friday night. I'm Stamford Chidge and I'm really looking forward to it uh, this evening, not least because we've got an old friend on the show that I haven't seen for a while. Uh, we've got dirty leads tomorrow, lots to talk about. Ooh. And of course, I, as as you will find out if you read my London piece tomorrow, we have the world's biggest hater of leads <laughs> by my side tonight, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I hate them so much, Chich. You're right. I know, oh. I know. My, my hatred is not diminished by the years. Oh. Yeah, I mean... I've known Jonathan for a long time, and he's genuinely one of the sweetest, most lovely, uh, gentle people you will ever meet. And I decided I would interview him to, to to contribute to this article I was doing for Football London. And he just turned into the most nasty, aggressive, hateful person I've ever seen. It was brilliant. The Love venom. Yeah. The venom, Chidge. He don't like him. Anyway, JK, good to see you, mate. You're looking well. Um, who have we got on the show tonight? Oh, well, we have... Uh... We have the the brain the brainiest football man ever, Mister. No, we're not gonna, I was going to I was going to do the gag I did the other time and call the other guest, but I was about to call you, Mark, but I won't. So I've ruined the whole thing. Um, we have the excellent, uh, um, the the most fantastic memory, um, the cerebral genius that is uh, Mister. Mark Meehan is on the show. Uh, good evening, good people of Mixer. Looking forward to tonight's show, but also to tomorrow's game and hopefully beating Dirty Leeds and do them done. Ooh, Dirty Bloody Leeds, Dirty Leeds. It's really good to see you, Mark, and well done for stepping in at the uh, 11th hour. That's very good of you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my Ruben Loftus-Cheek you, replacement tonight. I'm, I'm coming at the last minute in the centre of midfield. You are, but it's not a, not a Saul, that is for sure. Uh, there we go. He's More not, of him. Well, yeah. More of him later. Who else have we got? Who's our resident journalist tonight? Well, you know, it's just, just by my, I feel I ought to be genuflecting while I'm <laughs> speaking to him. Um, it's uh, 
it's the ec excellent athletic journalist. So everybody in Mixler and everybody everywhere, pay attention because this guy knows what he's talking about. It's the pressure's on Liam. It's uh, it's Liam Toomey. I don't know anything at the moment. I haven't worked since September. Haven't yeah. <laughs> oh, you? Oh, okay. Been on, get, been on paternity. Else, no, no, it's too late now, JK. <laughs> at the moment, I'm a part-time um, podcaster, full-time dog stroker. So Ruby's along for the ride. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Liam, it's, it's always lovely to see you. And I, I mean, it, it's true. We haven't seen you for ages. And then I, I, very, I completely forgot that I, I, I hadn't sorted anybody out for Friday, which is very stupid of me. And... I, I literally texted you very late last night and you beautifully said yes, which is very lovely of you because I haven't spoken to you for ages. But uh, it's lovely to see you. But actually, it's really interesting. I can tell that it's been a long time since we've last seen you because the last time I saw you with Ruby, Ruby was a tiny puppy. And now she looks like a, a big dog. What's going on? She's she's a small wolf. She's grown, this man. Point. Seriously grown. Yeah. She looks beautiful, though. Yeah, she's oh, she's very sweet. God, I love black labs. Oh, I want one. I want one. Anyway, there we go. So we've got a stellar lineup tonight, I would say. Uh, and we're going to start off, obviously, by talking uh, about uh, the game that happened this week on Wednesday night in Zenit in St. Petersburg. Uh, and I think I would uh, I would open this up really. Uh, by the way, actually, um, I hope you've all seen J uh, JK's Chelsea fan bite. What he done after the game? I I I think it's the best one he's done yet. Actually, it was brilliant. But anyway, more of that later. Um, I'm going to ask you first, Liam. Um, to me, you know, given the fact that we all know that you know we've got an unbelievable injury list at the moment. I mean, basically, he has no midfield to speak of, and he needed to rest players. And he felt that well, we're through, so there's less risk than normal. I think he took a bit of a gamble, but I would have to say. I think in some respects the gamble backfired because we didn't win. But let's face it, we were only a few minutes away from not winning. So it's a bit of a hard call, that. What do you think? Yeah, I think the gamble was in some ways forced upon him, um, as you say, by the, fa the fact that injuries are not just hitting Chelsea quite hard at the moment. They're hitting them in one area of the squad. Um, and that's always when injuries are, are their worst. This is the first time since Tuchel took over that Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho have all been unavailable at the same time for a significant period of time. And I think you've seen with some of the performances that the sort of brain of the team has been missing um, in key moments. Well, they're certainly playing like they don't have a brain, that's for sure. Yeah, so I, in that respect, you know, I, I know there there have been people wanting to see um, Reese James experimented with as a central midfielder for a little while. Um, so that was interesting to look at. Uh, it, I, I don't know whether it worked really. I think he had good moments. He, he's obviously technically good enough to play there, but it's a very different, different tactical role. Um, it didn't help that, you know, he was next to Ross Barkley, who I think is just as ill suited to playing a sort of deeper line midfield controlling role. Um, we've got quite a lot of evidence over his career now to suggest that, that he he can't really have that sort of responsibility. I think either one of them would have been okay next to one of Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, but the fact that they were together without them and also with Saul outside them in a completely alien position and, and Saul just hasn't looked on the pace of elite European football really since he arrived at Chelsea, wherever he's played. Um those were those were the key things, weren't they? And and of course, Malang Sar had a, had a night where he looked particularly raw. Um, he is he is a pretty raw defender at this point. In spite of all that, I guess if you were looking at the positives, they did still nearly win the game. 
Um, they, you know, they they got themselves into winning positions twice, um, and they just didn't manage it well enough. And I, I can understand Tuchel's frustration. I, I think there was mitigation for the team selection. It was more yeah. just the way that they managed the game wasn't good enough to actually get the win. No, I'd agree with that. That's a spot-on analysis in my book. I mean, JK, funny enough, you said much the same in your little fan bite, didn't you? Me little two two minutes yeah. fifteen seconds, yeah. Um, um, I think I think also you've you've got to give credit to Zenit. They've got some very decent players, you know. And um, I thought that the boy who uh, who forced Kepper into that great save by the post was a very the Iraqi international, very decent player. Um, very, uh, in fact, uh, I suggest on the on the fan but we should buy him. Um, I just like the fact that he. That would be very, very Chelsea, wouldn't it, JK, to buy somebody who plays? Yeah, yeah, and then they'd never play like that again, of course, <laughs> would they ever, ever, ever? But he leapt, he leapt like a salmon for that header. I and mean, we must say that how brilliant Keppel was. It was really revealing, wasn't it? He really stepped up. Uh, I mean, everybody in the end was saying, no, 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 um, Mondi would have saved the, the the drive from the edge of the area. But you know, in reality, um, one of the things one notices about both Silva and Rudiger is they tend not to head the ball. In fact, any of the defenders other than Saar head the ball straight out and Christensen. They head it at an angle out or they head it to a Chelsea player. To actually head the ball straight out to the edge of the penalty area is something we don't see because they're, they're that, that kind of class act. So to have the ball then delivered straight back at, you know, at great speed, well, you know, Kepper would have had to save the but it would have been a worldie if he'd saved it they're all saying oh no Mandy would have got there I thought Kepper was but we always say that don't we it's very unfair whenever Kepper lets a goal oh well Mendy would have saved that yeah 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 and I I, and I I just thought he was great and I I commend him immensely for stepping up and uh he's obviously put you know at least uh, 50 million back on his um well on his his purchase fee um yeah go on go on on, sorry go on no 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 that wasn't just I'm gonna say I I I I thought that they they're they're a decent side. They were yeah. a decent side at the bridge, you yeah. know, when we beat them one nil. And I thought that um, uh, it's right that that Tuchel said that we 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 tend to we we weren't up to it. We were losing concentration. We weren't as speedy as we could be. But they had passages where they were they passed very slickly indeed. I think that the problem we had was we took them by surprise at the beginning, and then Mount had a shot which he sort of scored from. They'd been two nil down. I think it would have been a yeah. doddle from then on. I think they would have just their heads would have gone down. But all the time it was one nil and they started playing a bit better. It you know it it uh, it, it seemed to work for them, you know. So um uh I know I I I just then thought we the the rawness of the setup was then revealed and it was only after Tuchel had a chance to talk to them at half time yeah. that they stepped up a bit. Then you actually saw that there was a um, Lukaku and Werner actually started playing better together. It was it was intriguing. I just want to pick up on on what you were saying about about Kepper actually because he I, I mean he he was most of the I mean all the Discord group were very much he he was our man of the match. I mean Mark I mean my thoughts are this is actually really excellent news that Kepper uh, is looking looking. Like a decent keeper again, frankly, because I mean, I never doubted that he was a decent keeper, but he was just a, he was just a decent keeper in shocking form and lack of confidence. And it was lovely to hear what Thomas Tuchel said about him in the presser today. I mean, he was really, really effusive with his praise. But I think the the key thing for me is that we're going to bloody need him in January when Mondi goes off to the uh, the Afcon. So this is really good news, I think. Couldn't agree more. Um, I thought he was man of the match by a country mile. Uh, wasn't just that diving save, you know, and it was an absolutely brilliant save. 
you know, getting down, having played in goal before, getting down, most goalkeepers dive better to their right than they dive to their left. Getting down like that to make that save was tremendous. And those two saves he made in the first half as well. He's had a good season, you know, for the games, what few games he has played this year. You know, it started in Belfast. You know, he won us the Super Cup yeah. in the penalty shootout. He's excelled himself in our penalty shootout since then. But also when he's played, you know, in games he's played, he's played very well. He's made good saves. So I'm pleased, you know, he's on a road to recovery. You know, he's been through a hell of a lot as a player. He's probably had his confidence shattered. He's having it rebuilt. And we will need him in January. You're absolutely right. I think the only other thing I would say, that was almost like a proper Chelsea performance, wasn't it? <laughs> if you go back a couple of weeks ago, we've absolutely smashed Juventus 4-0. We're going to win everything. Like, you know, you know, and, you know, in a matter of weeks, you know, we do, a, a, so we say, a different performance. Yes, there are lots of factors involved in that. Well, I don't... I was going to say the temperature. Yeah, you know. yeah, I, I agree with that. There are. I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to read I, the reason I stopped you, Mark, because it seems pertinent to read this out. This is what because uh, the reason I'm so enamoured of this is that I, I hadn't quite heard that perspective before, and I didn't think of it. You know, so immediately I was quite you know enamoured of it. But this is what Tuchel said after the match, and I just thought every time I hear this man speak, I just think, God Almighty, you're a good manager. But he said, he said, I had the feeling, and it's my opinion that when we're in charge, when we are the better team, we're forgetting why we are the better team. The investment, the level of concentration, the level, level of physical investment was higher enough to be the better team. Once this drops 5 or 10%, once we start managing results, once we, once we start changing our behaviour based on the score, we get punished at the moment. It happened against West Ham and today. The last six minutes, we start playing balls back, start not attacking with the same aggression and with the same hunger, and we got immediately punished. It's for me the level of investment that we have to do, no matter what is on the score sheet. And I thought, mate, you've nailed it, absolutely nailed it. I mean, here's the thing, uh, Liam. I'll ask you what you think about that, obviously. But the thing that occurred to me is if you kind of summarise that, what he's saying is that you're bloody good at what you do. You're a bloody good team, bloody good players. You get ahead in a match, then you just keep going. You know, put your foot on their throat and keep going. And I would then add to that like Liverpool do. And I think that's where he, he wants us to be. And I don't think we're there yet. Play the game, not the score. Yeah. Yeah, that's essentially what he's saying. Um, and, you know, for a guy who is as sort of process-driven as Tuchel clearly is, just as Klopp is, just as, as Pep is, um, he wants to see the same things, regardless of whether his team's losing or winning. He And... I think it makes a lot of sense when you're talking about what are the things that makes Tuchel's Chelsea, well, what are the things that make Tuchel's Chelsea an outstanding team? What got them to the Champions League? It was it was the fact that they were able to, um, you know, jump on teams, create these turnovers, have this incredible press that, that, that really imposed themselves and then control games when they did have the ball. Um, and to be able to sort of create chances throughout a 90 minutes, um, sort of picking their moments to to spring on, on on opponents in the biggest games, and that was because they were keeping that level of that level of intensity and that level of concentration for for ninety plus minutes. And I think you saw against Zenit the first ten minutes they jumped all over them, and and Zenit didn't know what to do. They couldn't get out. They were giving the ball away in absurd positions, and Chelsea should have been about three nil up after about ten minutes, and the game wouldn't have been. I mean. 
that is a running theme with Tuchel's Chelsea. They don't score enough goals to to capitalise on on their periods of extreme dominance in games. Um, but even so, there was a noticeable dip. I did agree with Tuchel on that. I think you could see there was a certain point where players like Claudinho or Little Claude, as I always call him, um, <laughs> t- very tidy little Brazilian for Zenit. Um, was su- yeah, he is a very nice player if he gets the chance to play. And he was suddenly getting the ball and getting getting the ball in areas and getting the chance to turn. And what Chelsea have done so well under Tuchel is completely take away those opportunities for opponents where they, they can't pick up the ball between the lines on the half turn and, and look to play those passes. And the moment... It obviously doesn't help if you give the ball away yourself in midfield and then you expose your back three, as, as Chelsea did as well. Um, and individual errors are, are individual errors. But, um, you know, when, when you have that kind of passivity that or passiveness that, that creeps into the, into the system, people take a step off and then opponents can play. I mean... In the Premier League, you will get punished because no matter which team you're playing, these are Premier League players. You give them time and space, they'll they'll pick passes that will hurt you, and they'll they'll find ways to score goals. Um, and likewise, you know, even Champions League group stage opponents that you you know you're better than, they've got players that can make you pay if 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 you let them. Um, so it, Malcolm it's, was a decent player as well, Liam. Actually, I thought given yeah. an opportunity to be decent, as you say, you know. He is a good player. He's a, you know, he's a player that Barcelona saw fit to spend money on. I know their judgment hasn't been brilliant in recent years, but he, you know, he's he's someone who's been on the radar of a lot of major European clubs. Zenit have players like that. A lot of Champions League group stage teams have players like that, at least sort of two or three that can really hurt you if you give them the chance. So I think it is about that um that aggression and that mind state. And you know, it has been a little bit of Chelsea DNA in the past that you, you know, you take the lead and you go backs to the wall and you try and see it out. Mm-hmm. I think Tuchel wants to kind of get away from that because if 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 you're going to match the level that City and Liverpool play to, you have to be um, on it mentally and and on it physically for for ninety plus minutes and ready to take any opportunity you get and not give opportunities to the other team. But it's not going to happen with that team, Liam, though, is it? That you, the eight changes he made. It's not going to happen with a mid with with Barkley playing in that position because he he gives the ball away all the time. If he plays right up front, he doesn't give the ball away. Or he gives it away in their penalty area, which is still bad. But nonetheless, it's not as bad as giving it giving it away the edge of our penalty area. And you've got Saul on the left. I mean, it was a it was a, a midfield of uh, for um, a quartet of idiocy playing for us. It, made, <laughs> it just made you realise how completely shit some of the players. Are and they're not up to it. They're really not up to that standard, you know. And I, and I think he's disappointed as well, Tuchel, that he thought they were good enough to actually play at that standard. But we you know, in a sense, it's like you watch Barkley for two years. You know that he cannot do that. I don't know what he's been doing in training, but he cannot play that position. That I mean, that's our experience. Perhaps he thinks that somehow he's he's redeemed him. But all the old problems he had, he revealed in in abundance again. You know, so it, you've got a player giving the ball away all the time. But as you say, absolutely, it should have been three 0 really early on. They were they were so all over them, and then they. They took their feet off and they, they was a on 20 minutes. There was a move from Zenit. that was just went back, 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 back. And I thought this is so unlike Chelsea, not having somebody to actually just stop this, push them out and get the ball back. Yeah. And I thought they just completely lost it for that moment. And from then on, I just thought, well, they're going to score, aren't they? It wasn't a surprise that they then went two one up. 
And uh, and I thought it was going to be, it hadn't been for Kepa, as you were saying, Mark, it would have been three or four one up. We were just leaving them enormous swathes of room. And so it was unbelievably unlike Chelsea, but I, uh, I, I'm unlike a Tuchel Chelsea, but with those players that he had playing, with our knowledge only as fans watching them it was no surprise to me but I know you you think you hope that he's he's got the uh, um the power you know he's he's he's, he's got the 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 power in the, the in the crucible with his is 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 what you call it is pestle and mortar to make them into different players but on occasions like that we suddenly revealed they're not they're as bad as they always were in, some indeed Mark I know you've been waiting for a while what, what did you want to say well, I was going to ask Liam, and it's very similar to what the point JK just actually made, and just get his viewpoint. Because um, uh, obviously, um, Tuchel had to tinker, you know, fixture congestion, injuries, etc. And I was going to make this, uh, having, having Barkley, you know, in. Somebody thumped th- Anyone else would work, but. <laughs> you, got, you got on Norman Collier, mate. <laughs> I had to hit the keyboard. Uh, I was going to say, would it have been better if we'd swapped them rounds? Because JK's right. That was the point I was going to make as well. If we'd had Barkley further forward and had Mount, say, playing in midfield. Because the one thing about Mount is he'll probably not give the ball away, but he'll chase back and win it as well. Yeah. And he would have provided probably some protection on the left with Saul as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I, Mount certainly does bring that that level of physical intensity, no matter what the game, no matter what the game state. Um, that's why Lampard loved him. That's why Tuchel was lent so heavily on him. So I can see the logic in that sense. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe you look back on their careers and, and Barkley has played deeper a little bit more than Mount, albeit more in a three than in a two, I would say, which is a very different job because you have more protection um, in case you give the ball away in a bad area. Uh, and I think I think Tuchel has really valued um, one of the things he's most valued about Mount ever since he came into this job was that with Mount in the front three, he's got this brilliant ability. And I liken it a little bit to David Silver at Manchester City. The thing that David Silver was always best at was finding those little pockets of space between the midfield and defensive lines to pick up the ball on the to receive the ball on the half turn and then play. And he doesn't always do something spectacular when he gets it, but he invariably plays forward and gets Chelsea, you know, into good positions. Um, and I think Tuchel really values Mount's ability to do that. I think he's better at doing that than pretty much any of Chelsea's other forwards. Maybe maybe Ziyech and Havertz, you'd think, are sort of similar instincts, but Mount seems to do it more regularly than anyone. Um, and if you play him deeper, which we've we've seen a couple of times, you, you lose that because he's the one having to play those passes into the final third rather than being there to receive them. Um, but none of none of this is ideal, is it? Uh, and, and, we're, we're talking about a load of suboptimal options. Well, yeah, we are. And I, I think the bottom line is, um, JK, you said this in the fan bite, didn't you? We're not likely to see it again, thankfully. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll ever see that that combination of midfield again. One hopes. One, one, hopes. one Certainly one would hope. I mean, I think for me, the interesting point about it all you know, throughout, I mean, we've said it, let's be honest here, we've said it too, but most pundits have been saying all season that we've got arguably and qualitatively the deepest squad of all the Premier League teams. But you look at you look at that, I mean, okay, I mean, it's, it's the weird thing about it, you know. I think I think a lot of us had the hump, I certainly did, that actually we drew that game through, or not just because we let a, a goal in to equalise 
with a few minutes to go, just like we had against West Ham, which also compounded it, I think, but because it meant we finished second in the group, not first. But actually, you take that situation away, take the West Ham game away, and you take uh, the fact that it meant that we finished second, then you'd probably not be as downhearted because you say, well, it was a bit of a mad game, but we got a draw, you know, it's all right, you know. Um, but the reality is, I, I do wonder if it says to us that our squad is perhaps not quite as deep or quite as uh, good as, as, or some of the players not quite as good as we thought they were. Who wants that one? Mark? Uh, two things. I would say anyone that plays with Chelsea is good enough um, and our squad should be good enough. Um, I think this bout of injuries has probably hurt us um, probably more than we probably anticipated. I think the only missing part is we've got players who might be better than what we've got who are out on loan at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and what what I would do, you know, is if you take out Ross Barkley and you take out Saul, yeah, as part of a squad and replace them, say, with Billy Gilmore and Conor Gallagher, I think immediately you've got a stronger squad. Yeah, no, I totally agree so with that. The squad we've I... got, yeah, you know, we're going through sort of a period decimated by injuries at the moment. As Liam said earlier, you know, the number of players we've got out injured in that, that central midfield, well, that's unheard of. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, Le- it's a good squad. It's a very good squad. It could be better. Yeah, Liam first, then JK. I just had two two quick things. One, I mean, the, the squad argument, yes, Chelsea might have the deepest squad in Europe when you go through all the positions, but there is no squad in the world that would not feel the pain if you took away their top three players in one area of the Absolutely. pitch at the same time. It's just the reality of football. You know, you, you can't have five world-class central midfielders. Um, and the other thing is, yeah... Th- I understand why people are talking about Conor Gallagher and, and Billy Gilmore. Gallagher's having a brilliant season at Palace. It, it's clear that you know he's going to have a real case to play for Chelsea next season at, at, at the very least. Um, and we've seen Gilmore pl- help this team already. Um, I think he he you know because of the way Chelsea play, he could probably help Chelsea more than Norwich really. Um, but neither of those guys, even if even if a recall is you know on the table. Neither of those guys addressed the current problem. By January, Kovacic could be back, Kante will be back, Jorginho will be back. So then what's the point in recalling them? That's the reason you loaned them in the first place. Chelsea have six games between now and January 1st. Five of them are in the Premier League and you can't afford to drop a single point. So the, the problem is right now. And I don't think Gallagher and Gilmore address that as, as good, you know, as well as they are doing and as good of players as they are. Yeah, definitely. Shutting the shutting the stable door after the horses bolted, isn't it? JK. Is Matson a possibility though? For uh, I've heard he might be actually today on the grapevine. Liam, do you know anything about that? Well, I haven't been doing any reporting oh, well, no, on it, but, um, no, no, but but no, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if 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 it was something Chelsea were exploring. I think he's doing well on loan, um, and he and he's a very. I, I think he's technically good enough to play that role in Tuchel's system. Um, even if he he would be an understudy to Alonso, he's he's definitely certainly a more natural fit than Saul is in that position, yeah. and he and he wants to play there, which is something that you know Saul left Atletico because he didn't want to play there. I would be I would be very happy to see that happen because uh, you know let let's on the assumption that in January we find out that you know maybe Chilwell's out for the season rather than a, a lot less than that. I would much rather we brought Matson back than go and buy somebody that we'll be trying to get rid of in about a year's time, which is what's happened a lot in the past, I think. So I would be more than happy to see him do that. And, you know, frankly, you know, Alonso, he can be be fantastic for us, but he can also be absolutely shite, you know. And 
that's the that's the risk you take with him, you know. And I, I would be very happy to see Matson come in and you know basically get a start, let alone uh, Alonso J.K. I think well, Chilwell just got better and better. I think Chilwell has set mm-hmm. a standard that you know, all right. Alonso played very well the first seven games of the season before he was replaced. Then Chilwell came in and was just uh, made you realise yeah. that actually uh, he's two-footed. Yeah. Alonso's a bit reliant on his he's left quicker. foot. Um, he's quicker. He, he they, they both they both they both shoot as well as yeah. each other. But yeah. but um, Chilwell just seems to be a bit more intelligent. I think I don't know. Um, but he works. The, he, he fits the pattern. I mean, in, in as I said before, I think the one of the problems is we're, we're not playing our best side because of injuries. Yeah, no, exactly. It's nowhere near our best side. You're absolutely yeah. right. And I think you're very right to, you know, because it's very easy to get, you know, you get, this is, this is football, isn't it? This is what supporting a football club's all about. It's very easy to get dragged into the miasma of what's going on in the minute. But actually the bigger picture is, you know, we've got a lot of injuries and that's why we're underperforming. Um, listen, I just want to have one more point on this, right? And then I want to quickly pick up what happened in the presser today because we got a lot of info about injuries and stuff. Um, but the last point is, and I was, I don't know about, I don't, I don't actually, cause I, I think you might've mentioned it in the fan, but I can't remember now, JK, but I was actually really pleasantly surprised to see, uh, Timo Werner score two goals. Uh, well, there was, he scored, he scored two goals and, and he assisted. And of course, Lukaku scored a goal and I thought that was a cracking goal. And, you know, slowly but surely, you know, Lukaku looks to be waking up, but I was kind of more pleased for Timo in a way, not least because that very day I had a piece published by Football.London saying, let's not quite give up on Timo yet, which JK laughed at me for doing. Yeah, well, fair enough. I <laughs> laughed at well, particularly, particularly the way he played in the first half other than the goal, but he took that goal really well. It was really exceptional. So, I, you know, if he's got that, I don't think people were saying, um, oh, this is an opportunity. Now, he's turned the corner. I mean, let's just let's, see. Let's, let's just on, see. You know. <laughs> let's, I mean, yeah, let's... I mean what, what is interesting, because I, I mean, this is perfect synchronicity, really, that, that marks here, because I did actually mention, I think I even mentioned that Spackers had told us that he can play big man, little man. And, and it's the first kind of, I mean, I know it was, maybe it was tried earlier on the season, but it was certainly an opportunity to see if that might work. And I thought the seeds were there, Mark, between Werner and Lukaku. Goal proved it, if nothing else. AK just can't get enough, can he? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was it was made by Zayek and uh, and Pulisic that goal as well. Yeah. So yeah. they link up well. I think. They link up very well, yeah. very well indeed, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. One, one, swallow, one swallow does not make a summer, but clearly, you know, I, I've said my views many times on on Werner before, and how I think, and obviously Chatswitz backers, Werner and Lukaku might just work, you know, and and it worked the other night. Really pleased for Werner. You know, got two goals, made an assist. That's a forward's job. Yeah. He did his job. You know, you know, so he can walk off the pitch held high on that performance. He has to repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. He has to repeat game after game after game. And as much as I'm a big fan of his, which I am, there has been times when he's been nowhere near that and he couldn't hit a fat cow up the arse with a banjo. You know, so, you know, Great performance the other night. Really pleased for him. That needs to be sustained and produced on a regular basis going forward. It definitely does. But, I mean, I I think one of the points I was making in the piece, what I wrote, was that, you know, maybe if we kind of move away from this concept that we've spent 55 or whatever it was, million, on a guy who scored 95 goals in about 140-odd games in the Bundesliga, that actually maybe the Bundesliga's pants and probably I could score a few goals there. But actually, if you look at him in a different context, which is a player that we have at Chelsea who can contribute throughout the season with a few assists and a few goals, 
not be your man to score you 2025 then suddenly it becomes a very different concept and i think maybe that's where we are with him liam yeah that was the entire rationale behind signing lukaku was that you know the, the, the one of the main takeaways from last season is that you couldn't rely on Timo Werner to to score every single game for you. He even in Germany, interestingly, if you dig into his scoring record, he was a hot and cold finisher. He would have streaks. Yep. And the season before Chelsea signed him, he was on one massive hot streak. Um and, and Chelsea pretty much got him as cold as he could possibly be for most of his first season. And and I think confidence and adjustment and all those things were were part of it. But the whole point of spending £100 million on, on a guy who has been one of the most reliable goal scorers in Europe for most of his career is that he can shoulder that burden. Lukaku can take on that. And then what you get from Werner is a, you know, a supplement yeah, um, exactly. and, and can really help lift you. And the, the problem that Chelsea had in the first half of the season is that the, the sort of adaptation process that needs to happen with, with trying to find a way to maximise Lukaku in this team has been slowed down by that injury. It, it was put on hold for five weeks and Chelsea then had to become the team again that they were last season in attack, where you're more about pressing and positional switching and like being this bit more of a ch- chameleon in the front line um, as opposed to around this big number nine. Um, I think they're still trying to find their way around Lukaku and he's now trying to find his way back physically to, to his best um, condition. It was encouraging to see him and Werner score. I mean, the, the first two goals were a combined yardage of about five. <laughs> but, I don't care. But that's what you need, isn't <laughs> exactly it? That's what you that. need when you've got strikers that are slightly out of form and out of confidence. It, that, that is exactly what you yeah, want. Exactly um, and I, I do think the you know the two up front could be an option just because Lukaku was maximised at Inter next to Lautaro Martinez, who was like a speedy, more mobile forward who would move into the channels, much like Timo Werner. Um, so there are the sort of seeds of how they could form a decent partnership there. It, if they do, it would be it will be frustrating to watch at times because I think if you were to rank all the Chelsea players in the squad by their first touch, Werner and Lukaku would would have the most erratic first touch in the entire squad. There will be moments where it's sort of head in hands yeah. um, when they're trying to link up, but they they never hide. They're always making the runs. They're always occupying defenders, both of them. And they're always carrying a threat. They always have to be accounted for. And just by doing that, I think um, they'll they'll create chances, not just for themselves, but for the people around them. Um, I, I thought that was the case. Yeah. What was the game Lukaku came on in that Ziyech scored the winner? Watford. It was Watford, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I think that goal happens in part because yeah. three Watford defenders are worried about Lukaku and him, Ziyech yeah. can make a free run. Absolutely. That's what happens when he's on the pitch. Yeah. Can I make a, 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 can I praise Ziyech, who I think is just getting better and better, actually? I, th- I think it, it is, he was saying his shoulder injury was behind him, but he seems to be more involved now. And uh, and I, I, I think he's a, yeah. Potentially a very decent player indeed. Well, we know he's got it. You know, it's just can he do it? You know, on a cold night at Stoke. No, no. On a, you know, on a regular basis for Chelsea. Now, listen. I just want to finish up this part very quickly with the presser. I mean, I have to say, it wasn't wasn't that. I mean, you know, there weren't that many real kind of you know great questions. But I mean, what we did get was an update on the uh, the injury crisis. Uh, so basically, Chaloba, Kovac. Well, we know that Chaloba and Chilwell are out for a while. Kante's still out for tomorrow, as is Kovacic, because he's got uh, COVID. Interestingly, Jorginho is available, although Tuchel said that he's going to have to play through the pain. 
Uh, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek seems fit, I mean, after weirdly having an injury in the warm-up against uh, Zenit. And he also said later on in the press, that we're not talking about the injuries at all, but he said that Mendy's going to start. I think that was, uh, he basically said, um, you know, he was praising Kepa to the to the hills and then said, yes, but Mendy's going to start, which I thought was quite funny, actually. And uh, and James is going to play at right wing back, even though he would have been talking about him doing quite well. It was a nice experiment, but that's where he belongs. And I agree with that. Um, the only other couple of things that I really picked up on was he came up with this fantastic statement, quote, call it what you like, really about where we are at the moment. And he says, you know, we've been average in the last few games. And he said that average looks kind of horrible when you play and work for Chelsea. And I and I kind of like that. And uh, the last thing that I picked up on was that he hopes Kante is going to be back in training on Tuesday. So hallelujah and amen to that one. So, I mean, what do you think of all of that, J.K.? I love that quote, actually, because um, in the past, average has been what we've been subjected to, unfortunately, going back in over the years. But um, yeah, he's got these huge standards and aspirations for the club. And um, the the madness of uh, social media suggesting that, um, uh, you know, two more games like this and he'll be oh, sacked. I mean, I cannot. I mean, bigger nonsense. I mean, oh, what, don't, words fail me. It's so stupid. For goodness sake. I mean, what a load of absolute poo that is but um uh, yeah it's it's in fact it's it's interesting to see um him dealing with the situation when we're under an element of pressure and not playing as well and seeing uh, how he turns it round because he will turn it round and um and we're because we're uh, he's a, he's one of the, possibly the best coach in the world so um i have no problems at all with uh, with him fixing all of this and if it means that he sees some players aren't up to it well we might have a you know somebody might appear in the transfer window or um he may change it around but um uh i say change it around that doesn't make any sense he may he may um elevate somebody and they'll perform well in the same way that chalabar did i have great faith in his his abilities to make players into um into um sh- uh, better better examples of themselves i think he's um he is that uh, almost clough-like in his ability to do that, actually. Like, like finding that fat little bloke called John Robertson and making him into a genius. I yes. think that was Clough's greatest achievement, actually. But anyway, um, he, smoked, he smoked more than I used to as well, John Robertson. It's brilliant. Anyway, um, I was, that's completely sidetracked me, and I can't remember what I was going to ask Mark now. I really can't, actually. It's completely gone from my head. Um, now, oh, I know what I was going to ask. Liam, actually, and then I'll get, get Mark to summarise everything up. Liam, um, I just have thought that's occurred to me. I mean, I know, I know, we all know that that we've we've struggled a bit because we've had injuries, and I was kind of trying to think, you know, where Liverpool ended up when they lost Allison and certainly Van Dyke and Henderson for quite a long time. Did they come third or something? Or I can't remember. But anyway, uh, the other question I was going to ask you was, um, I wonder if uh, the contract shenanigans going on with Rudiger and Christensen have affected things in any way what do you think yeah i've been, I've been thinking about it I'd, i mean I, I think it's affected things actually in a positive way with rudiger in that he's you know they they talk about in american sports athletes being in a contract year um and he's been playing ever since tuchel came in like he's in a contract year like he's he's been showing the very best version of himself um, and he, you know, he's he's earned whatever big payday he gets at the end of this, whether it's from Chelsea or, or from someone else. Um, but I don't 
get the sense that that situation has, has particularly destabilised things on the pitch. The main, you know, most of the mistakes have come when he's not been playing um, and, and there to kind of shore things up. Christensen, I, I, I was really surprised that Tuchel went public and said what he said about, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that a, a club or a coach might do in the midst of a contract standoff. It's not the kind of thing that they say and that they've benched a player because he won't sign a new deal. And I, I thought that had real potential to backfire. Um, I'm not sure that it has. I, I, it's it's hard to isolate a defender's performance from the defence at the best of times. And Chelsea haven't defended well in the last two games. Um have you not felt that he's been? I think he's been slightly off, though, Christensen. I don't yeah, think he's playing at the same perhaps, level, you know. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, but I, I, I think generally he's been he's been best under Tuchel when he's been next to Thiago Silva, Silver, Rudiger. Yeah. Um, you know, those sort of steadying older influences, and and he's not had that in the last couple of weeks. Maybe it is on his mind. I don't know, but um, yeah, it, I mean, for me, Christensen is the most fraught one because I, I've thought all along, my instinct all along is that Rudiger will leave because um, I just think the market forces are, are pushing in that direction. Like the, he, He's in the situation Ginny Wijnaldum was in last season at Liverpool where he knows if he gets to free agency, someone might turn around and offer him 400 grand a week and Chelsea won't. I, I, I'm almost certain that Chelsea won't. shouldn't, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't think they should into his 30s, as, as great as he's been in the, under Tuchel. Um, you have to project forward to the player he'll be, not the player he is. Yeah, exactly. um, Christensen, for me, is the most fraught one because that's a guy in, the, in his mid-20s who's really blossomed under Tuchel and who might become like the sort of linchpin of Chelsea's defence for the next four or five years. You need to get him tied down, I think. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. OK, Mark, what, do you, what did you pick out of the, uh, the old presser? Uh, not a great deal because I, I didn't actually sort of hear it today. I was busy doing work, shall we say. So <laughs> I, I, I've missed what Mr. Tuchel had to say. So it's only what I've been reading from your notes tonight. Yeah, I think the, the only thing for me um, is just picking up that Kante is back on Tuesday. Yeah. And I think that's good news because I think we've missed him at the end of the yeah. day. I, I think the, the only thing I'd say, pick up with Liam's last point, uh, I think Rudy will go, will go. I think we missed him the other night, though. I think we're a better side with Rudiger in it than we are without. And and Silver. Yeah, and, and Silver and we miss Silver as well. Uh um I feel for Christensen. I I do think Christensen is the future. Um I don't think he had a good game the other night against Zenit, but it was a much weaker defence and he wasn't playing with Rudiger and he wasn't playing with Silver and he had the young novice star beside him. But I think we you know, Liam's right, we need to tie Christensen down because I do honestly believe you know Rudiger's definitely gonna go. You know, he's he's playing he's playing the game of you know of his life every single week at the moment. He is our best player in defence, so he's in the shop window, and I think he'll go at the end of the season. Mm. It's Real Madrid, I think, but yeah. she's supposed to have signed a pre contract with. I think. Where are they getting the money to pay him that much? Then I thought they're all oh. bankrupt. Yeah. Anyway, that's for another day. Um, I just think it's uh, you know, it we're at an interesting kind of stage at the moment, and uh, you know. I'm sure. I mean, you know, I, I just think that you know, t- thinking about the defense, the three that we've got in the defense, even if it's Rudiger, Silva, and Christensen, and and Mendy in goal, that's not the whole issue. You know, it's also you need Jorginho and Kante in front of them, and you need Chilwell and James either side to whiz back and make a five. I think if you take Chilwell, Jorginho, Kante out of that equation, it makes the defense look more vulnerable. And I think people underestimate actually how 
secure we've been at the back because of the system that that Tuchel plays and the players that he's got playing in that system. I think that's fundamental to it and I think that's really affected how it works defensively. But there you go, JK, very quickly because I want to go to Potter. I just think um, Dave is is just not quite the level no. required at the moment. We, we know that. We just, we're just we too, we're too kind to say it because we love we him. Are. Yeah, but it's a I bit like when you've got a very old dog, mate. You know what I mean? You showed that again. I'm allergic to dogs, but I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, right, we better go. Um, we're going to go to part two in a minute. There is no opposition view tonight. Uh, the dirty Leeds people have, have, have failed. To, they're not quite as hard as they think they are. They're not prepared to come on the show, but uh, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Their father's guns. Uh, they're yeah. not bringing thy father's gun to shoot the Chelsea scum, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, I've enjoyed that part, uh, not, not least because we've had the lovely Liam back on the show. It's always great fun having Liam on because he talks so much sense. Great to see you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure to be back, guys. And uh, you're, you're, back, uh, you're back on the manor, as it were, what, first week of Jan? Yeah, yeah, I should be back in time for the FA Cup third round. That'll be. I'm hoping that's the first game I'll be back at the bridge for. Yeah, looking forward to it? Yeah, I am. I am. I, I mean, I've always absolutely loved going to games apart from when there are empty stadiums. That was the only yeah, time that I haven't yeah. enjoyed it in my career. Yeah. Um, and just generally, yeah. I mean, I've, I've still been doing our, you know, straight out of Cobham. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of kept kept my hand in. Um, but yeah, looking forward to writing again at some point. Good Ask stuff. me about two weeks into writing. I might feel differently. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Brilliant stuff. Well, have a great Christmas and New Year, mate. And we and thanks for coming on tonight, as I said. And we really very much look forward to getting you back. We'll try and get you back on a Monday as well. We'll have a bit of fun on a Monday, yeah? Cheers, guys. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, Liam. There we go. The fabulous, fabulous Liam Toomey from The Athletic. Uh, and as I said, we'll be back in a minute, uh, for not for the opposition view, but for our uh, preview of the Chelsea-Leeds game. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real 
fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast preview show on the Friday before the weekend, before the big game. And uh, as I said earlier on, there's no opposition view this week. And uh, I, I, I was a bit naughty, actually, before the break, kind of insinuating all sorts of things about the Leeds fans. Actually, we've got some lovely uh, Leeds uh, fans that we do get on the show normally. And the lovely John McKenzie, JK, of course, from All Stats, aren't we? Who we normally... Was he not available? No, he's now playing football on a Friday evening. Mm. So um, I then went to my next... I had a bit of a hunch. I thought, oh, I know who we'll get on. We'll get on the person who was the guest on the first ever Chelsea fan cast that I did. Who is, of course... Paul Maidley. No. Close, oh. but no cigar. Sheridan Bird. Yeah, who now... Uh, he's a football commentator and writer based in Italy in Milan, but Chezza's a big Leeds fan. So I texted him a couple of days ago and said, can you do it, mate? He said, mate, he said, no, I just, I, my head's not in what's been going on there at the moment. He said, he said I'm more interested in talking about Chelsea than I am about Leeds at the moment because I'm covering all this Italian football. And he said, but I'll find you somebody else. He found me somebody else, a lovely bloke who, who called Richard, who apparently is another pundit and something, big Leeds fan. He texted me back and said, he said, I'd love to, but I'm actually flying into London the, the minute you're doing the show. So I said, oh, no. So my final strikeout was uh, the lovely Bill, who you, none of you know. But Bill is the man behind football prizes, right? The little competition we plug every yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've had great chats with, with Bill because he's an old school Leeds fan. You know, he's, he's kind of our age, you know. So I've had great chats about all of that. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, great, we'll get him on because he's kind of old school. And, of course, he can talk a, bit, a little bit about football prizes. But he's doing the draw for football prizes at the same time we're doing this. So I completely struck out tonight, but there you go. It was not for want of trying. But anyway, that means we get to talk more Chelsea and less Leeds. So I'd say that's a win-win, really, but there you go. Now, guess what? We're going to start with JK. Um, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the, pre the predictions league. Nope. No? Oh, nope. okay. Nope. Um, what do we always start with in the preview? I'll give you a clue. I can give you a visual clue. Um, the colour we're going to play in tomorrow. That's right. That'll be blue. Yeah. 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 He's doing and, well. Um, oh, I know. I know, Chidge. I know. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's going to be the... Uh, <laughs> what team's going to play? <laughs> Chelsea yeah. and Leeds. That's right, JK. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I, the composition they're of going, the They're going mad in, in Mixlove. They go, for fuck's sake, look down just the line-up. It's the lineup. <laughs> the Idiots. composition of the team. Indeed. Anyway, this is what I've got for tomorrow. Uh, Mendy, Rudiger, Silva, Christensen. Uh, James, uh, Loftus-Cheek, Jorginho, Alonso. Uh, I don't think there's really much choice, really, for, for the midfield. Uh, and up front, this is where, of course, it always gets a bit complicated. We never quite know who to pick. But on the basis that Mount uh, has scored in the last two Premier League games and looks kind of back to where he is... I'd pick him and I would pick Werner on the strength that he scored two goals and looked quite good. And I think that's quite encouraging. And I would put Lukaku up front because I'd be quite keen to see how that partnership develops. In other words, what I would really be doing is playing 3-4-1-2. So I would have Mount behind 
Lukaku and Werner, so playing like kind of big man, little man, because I think that that needs exploring. Well, that means that Zayek, Pulisic and... Um, Hudson Adoy. Uh, and Adoy and, um, uh, and Havertz don't get in. Nope, not tomorrow. Not not for, to the start, because you and I both know that, uh, you know, the others will have some game time because that's how it always works out. Yes. But that's what I'd start with. He's good at doing that, isn't he, Tuchel? If a couple of players have played well, he tends to give them a go uh, from the beginning. So uh, I think you may be right. It may be Lukaku I mean, and, and him. But um, and he then because then we have well, then we've got a situation of Reese James providing for both of them because um, uh, you know, it, it worked vaguely well in midfield with him. But as I've said before, Dave is no Reese James, and I think the trouble is if you have Reese playing but JK in, in that position. JK. There is yeah. nothing like Reese James. There is nothing, nothing in the world. Exactly. Like Hang on a second. There is nothing like Reese James. <laughs> nothing in the world. There is nothing to explain. No, no, I can't remember. Nothing I can't to remember the rest of the world. Right. That is anything like Reese James. Exactly. Just finish it. Exactly. And then we, I need to write the rest of it, don't I? But if you don't know the words, write them down. Yeah, yeah, I should write them down. I thought when well, I thought I'd get that right. Well, but you did well. You did well. But yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. You know, that's in fact. Yeah, so much better than one of our own, isn't it? That song, Chief. yeah, definitely. so much better. Definitely. I mean, oh please, but please, it's just, you, you know, people—it's just too complicated. It's got more than three know, words in it, I but know, uh, you know. I know. So I that know. there we go. I mean, Mark, what what do you think about my my little uh, idea of the selectioni tomorrow? I thought you might approve actually of big man, little man up front with mount behind. I, I do, but I'd just like to say there is nothing in the world that is anything like Rhys James. Is the last part of the song. Oh. It's the same bit, you mean? It's there the is nothing bit. like Reese James. Nothing. There is anything. There is nothing. That is anything like Reese James. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so simple, isn't it? And I it. it. Yeah. Um. After your successful prediction last week, it's a oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank my you. Pleasure. My, my pleasure. <laughs> the um, first one ever. It has to be said. <laughs> so I bow to you. <laughs> uh, um. I'm going to go a bit slightly different because it is always difficult to get into the head of Tommy Tuchel and what side he's going to put out, especially after a long trip um, to to Leningrad as was. Uh, I'm going to go pretty similar to yours. So I'll go Mendy, Rudiger, Silva. I'm going to say he's going to play Aspie instead of Christensen. If everybody is fit, and we're working on the basis he said who's fit, I would agree with you on that midfield because basically there's sod all else that we can play there. And having um, observed Lukaku in the last few games since he came back at Watford, I still don't think he's 100% there yet. Uh, and I think he'll start with Lukaku as sub and he'll play Havertz up front, but keep Vernon Mount in there as well. Mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, I absolutely love Havertz. And I think the reason, I mean, I, t- I take your point. I wonder if he is fit enough, but, you know, if he is, maybe he'll start. If he isn't, maybe he won't. But uh, I think that, you know, we know what it's like with strikers. They're, I mean, particularly strikers like Lukaku, who's a proper striker. It's all about goals. He's just scored one. He's back, you know, and I think you, 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 you strike while you're hot. And I think, you know, I would I would start him, you know. I would definitely start him because of that, JK. Um. But doesn't he look at oppositions and decide, actually, this person can create more he damage? He does. So, therefore, what's the situation? This is where you need your Leeds fans. Well, Leeds can't defend. 
No, but in which case, uh, uh, who should he play? The nifty Havertz, the but, silky German, or the uh, or Roma Roma Romelu? Well, who, I mean, uh, Leeds are not going to part the bus. And if you if, if no, you're no, playing indeed, if you're indeed. playing a team that are going to part the bus, then you start Havertz because he they won't be able to mark him because he moves all yeah. over the place. Yeah, He's true. a clever player. So yeah. it being that they're not going to part the bus and they can't defend, you have you have a uh, Lukaku because he can you know do what Lukaku does basically. But also, of course, if they're attacking a lot, which of course we know that that's what Leeds do, you've got Werner up there to hit him on the counter when they're leaving so great prepared. big gaps. Be prepared, Chidge, tomorrow for it to be Pulisic, Zayek. And Lukaku. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, and if it is, it is. But I, I, I think you can't not start Mount. He's he's bang back in form. He's no, scoring goals. I'm, I'm being silly. Well, I, I, I'm beginning not to be a fan of Loftus Cheek. I know we're picking him up when we want him to play. We better have no choice better. tomorrow. I know. Indeed, we have no choice. But I'd like him to step up. Yeah. Because I'd like him to be. We're always doing this. I'd like him to be the player we know he can be. And when I he thought is he playing, was good against you know, West Ham last week. Mate, I have to say, I think he was one of our better players last week. Yeah, possibly, possibly. I just thought we were a bit, well, you know, Jorginho wasn't dealing with it. I don't think he plays as well with Jorginho as a pair. Maybe that it's, it's that's the problem. Is but isn't that interesting, though? But isn't yeah. that interesting, though? Yeah. Because we could, we, we were saying the same thing last season about Mount. You know, Mount was tried in midfield once, maybe twice with Lukaku, with uh, Jorginho, and, it, and he looked terrible. And we were raising questions then. But I think this all goes back, Mark, to what Tuchel said, which, again, another, I think, bit of brilliance in terms of his analysis of things, when he said that basically, I get it, you know, Jorginho is brilliant at doing some things and pretty poor at doing others. So the trick is is to provide a structure for him where you minimise his exposure to his limitations and you maximise his strengths. And that is what Tuchel has been so successful in doing and I think it's really largely responsible for how successful we've been since he's been manager and do you know what that is? It's Kante or Kovacic next to him and yep. decent wing backs like Chilwell and Rhys James who can cover any holes he leaves Yeah, the, 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 the best formation with Giorgio is Kante beside him and then Kovacic But I also yeah. think it's the wing backs that are important because oh, no, the they cover the holes that he leaves oh, yeah. James and Chilwell it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a many puzzles that go into a bigger puzzle, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the Loftus Cheek thing, yeah, I thought he played well at West Ham yeah. last week, but I, I thought he played poorly at Watford. Yes, yeah. very bad at Watford. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the consistency. It's the consistency. It's a bit like but you've got to keep it, it, in Chelsea Football Club now. You can't afford to have a bad game. No. Yeah. Can't yeah. be average you, anymore. Yeah, you, exactly. You cannot be. There, there's such a high standard. You need to maintain game after game after game. You know, to sustain your place in this team, especially when we go into January when everybody's fit again, because this manager is very fair. He's given people plenty of opportunities. There's there's a lot of players who've played a lot more football than many may have predicted at the start of the season. You know, he's very fair to these players. He observes them in training and he gives people an opportunity. But you've got to maintain that level of consistency, otherwise you're not in the side. Yeah, totally right. You know, I also think that that Rudiger fits perfectly on the left with that combination of players and if you if you tweak it a bit he's slightly off and he's even though he plays well he, even though he's he's um, you know perfectly he's strong on the left hand side i don't he doesn't play for me as well with alonso 
he doesn't play as well as he does with Chilwell. It just seems to be that they complement each other much. Well, I think I he mean, gets left on his own too much when, indeed, when because I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Alonso Alonso doesn't come back. And I think opposition stage. teams target that. They know that Alonso is just not going to get back, so they have two yeah. people that bomb up there, and suddenly Rudiger's outnumbered, and he panics yeah. because you see he's not sorry sorry Mark because yeah. unlike Silver who I think has as much skill in his feet as most number 10s that I've seen and is therefore perfectly comfortable with the football and has the skill to beat whoever's coming at him. Rudiger is a proper defender. So basically, when he's got nobody near him pressing him or pressurising him, he looks like Pele. You know, when, he, when, he, you know, when he's got two people on him and he's got the ball at his feet, he looks like Bambi on ice or a giraffe on ice or whatever. Something that looks very uncomfortable with the football is what I'm trying to say. A baby giraffe on Indeed, ice. Indeed, that'll do. Mark? Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be interesting to see what tactics leads approach tomorrow with Alonso. Because if you go back to Watford last week, you know, pick up JK's point, Watford continually are putting that pressure on that side because Alonso is so far forward. And there was large parts of the Watford game and also West Ham last week as well. Rudiger was left back. You know, Alonso was so far forward. You know, Rudiger was so far on left, having to cover that space that the opposition were playing in behind Alonso and ex- exploiting that space. Bielsa's a good coach, so it'll be interesting to see what tactics he employs against Alonso tomorrow. Because to be fair, Alonso, you know, l- like him a great deal, his, his strength is going forward. Yeah, His strength isn't defending. Mm, indeed. Um, listen, I want to get into a little bit more about the tactics and, and that kind of thing in a minute but before that it would be very remiss of us not least because we have a wonderful lineup tonight in terms of experience of Chelsea versus Leeds and actually more to the point what this horribly nasty bitter rivalry really means I mean as I said earlier on I've written a piece today for Football.London about the rivalry and how it originated and JK was there at the time and and Mark was along you know kind of from the 70s onwards so he'll, he'll be more than aware of what it was like going up to present day so I think it'd be worth having a quick chat about that I mean I know I know I talked to you yesterday about this Jake actually do you know what I'm going to do Jake I'm going to talk to Mark first because yeah 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 because yeah. then it'd be interesting to hit for you I think to hear what he has to say and then we yeah makes sense cool Mark what is what is the because I mean I think I start I opened up with JK about this yesterday and, and said it for some people it might not make any sense whatsoever why on earth have we got this massive rather naughty very bitter rivalry with a team 200 miles north of us who we, I think I think I said it in the article we've we've been in the same division as them 29 out of the last 51 years you know how on earth is this still relevant why well it, it starts obviously with 1970 you know you know earlier that, that, earlier oh, oh, even early, actually even earlier you, you go back to the late 60s or Tommy Doherty you can you can go back earlier to... earlier 63 <laughs> it started 63 <laughs> I wasn't born. I was born then. I was a year old. Yeah, yeah. But for me, yeah, I'm saying my my memories start with the 1970 Cup final. Yeah, uh, and obviously it started from there, like Northern Grit against those sort of fancy dance from the Kings Road. Uh, but my my first Chelsea Leeds game was I think was like 77 78 season. Um, but clearly my my favourite memories of Leeds will probably be 83 <laughs> four. You know, <laughs> I know why. <laughs> when we beat them five nil, Cannibal. Cannibal, you know, for once scores a goal when he shouldn't have scored a goal. Pitch invasion, scoreboards getting smashed up, Chelsea celebrating promotion, uh, and then repeating it again a few years later uh, when John Bumpstead sort of like wins his promotion against Leeds. But it's just going up to Ellen Road, very hostile place. You know, so my first trip up there was in very much the early 80s. 
And there's some great photographs, I think, online. I think we took about 8,000 that day. And I think it was a three-all draw when we were both in the second division. And like the rivalry, the intensity existed even then, even though you know we were no longer in the top flight and that pure hatred. Yeah. And I remember programs like when we played Leeds and like front pages of the programs and things like don't be a mug, don't be a thug, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so it's it's there's that real sort of intensity that's always been there. Um, and like I've been to Ellen Road many times, and you know, as as much as we hate them when they come to Stanford Bridge, it is reciprocated up there. My my God. And I think my worst experience uh, up at Leeds, because um, actually both my brother-in-laws are Leeds fans, ironically. Yeah. So they've married into the family by marrying my sister. So I've got Leeds on one, one side of the family. So regularly in the 90s would go to Ellen Road up there. And I actually was in the Leeds section the day Leeds were one game nearer winning the title and Cantona scores that goal where he sort of, you know, does a Frank Wordington ball up in the air, beats about three of our players and puts it in. And, you know, sitting in the lead section and watching that goal go in was like a really, really horrible experience. Um, um, other, other memories? Um, Good Johnson's overhead kick. Oh, yeah. marvellous. Yeah, ab- yeah. Absolutely go. Uh, Andy Townsend, last-minute winner at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, another, another great memory. Um, and actually, I think when they got relegated, didn't we put them down? Yeah, we did. Last yeah, game, did. last game of two thousand and four. Claudio's last game. Jesper yeah. Gronkia one nil sent them down. And did we laugh? Yeah. Yes, yeah, we so did. Yeah. So, so again, this is the first game back since then with spectators in the ground. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is indeed. I mean, yeah. you know, J.K. I mean, one of the things that 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 I mean, it was. I have to say, mate, and I, I knew, I knew I'd done the right thing by talking to you and getting a load of quotes from you for this piece. Because you just you I, you you gave me stuff I just didn't expect to get, and that's the joy of it. But one of the things I really loved about what you said was actually what they were like, their fa- what their fans are like, that they were so entitled and aggressive, and you know they're very much like the the mold of that kind of revy team. You know, just they. I think it. I think it makes sense, doesn't it? If yeah. your manager um, uh, gets the team to play in a certain way. I mean, I, as I said to you, you think about it. It, it it's what teams represent rather than actually what they're made up of you know because McCready was um uh played for Chelsea and played for Scotland with Bremner and they were both very similar players and yet somehow they're both filthy bastards let's be honest and yet really terrific terrific players and yet somehow McCready has a um for Leeds fan is is a you know soft southern poof let's be let's be basic about the kind of words they would use and uh and Bremner's you know a, a hard gritty northerner and in fact, what they are is they're 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 symptomatic of the way that their managers want them to to play. And um, Revy was no nonsense. North of England, um, like players. I mean, playing in a very modern way. They um, uh, Reaney and um, uh, uh, the other fullback. Who was the other fullback? They had Reaney and um, Cooper. Cooper, yeah, Cooper. That's right. Reaney and Cooper were and were like well, fullback as well, didn't he? Who was that? Sorry, was he played back. everywhere. Yeah, mainly, he mostly sent off. He played everywhere. That was his big thing, wasn't it? He could play midfield as well. He, he, played, had, he played in every position. For he Lee. played in every position. That's right. That's right. So, but it was a very um, athletic, similar kind of um, team to uh, to the style to the kind of stuff that we play nowadays. Except it wasn't considered. Um, it was still considered a, a, an old-fashioned formation, but he played the fullbacks, very athletic fullbacks, very far forward, and and they were they what they had in them. There was just this this there was a nastiness about them. You know, they 
kick somebody off the ball. They target target people. I mean, it almost as I was saying to Chid before, it was it, I you, I can admire what they were up to now with hindsight because he got them playing a certain way, and given the leniency of the referees, it's not a surprise he he manipulated the system, Revy, because you could get away with fouling because somehow the linesmen weren't up with play, referees weren't up with play, they tended to sit be in the centre circle because they weren't fit enough. They were they were sort of like like you know eccentric. They'd try and make decisions from 50, 40 and 50 yards away. So it was no surprise there was so much off the ball stuff going on all the time. And they were absolutely geniuses at it. And Revy would say, as I'm sure most managers did, um, and I'm sure they still do, target him, be very physical against that player. And what you needed was a player to stand up for you. So we had Ron Harris, um, fantastically, who would, you know, who wouldn't stand for anything and would just kick back. So there was always this. I mean, the other thing about it is the rivalry was such that they were very, very good and we were very, very good. So there was bound to be that. And we I think one of the thing was, was that we wouldn't be steamrolled by them because there were great characters in that Chelsea side. Osgood could really put it about if you wanted to. I mean, example, we, weren't, we weren't bullied. I think that's the key no, thing. Ever. The 1970 Cup final. I mean, one of the awful experiences I had at the replay was that we, I was wearing my scarf in the car. We went past a group of Leeds fans and there was a volley of spit at the car from all these guys. You just thought, God, bloody hell, they're, they're really... It's the kind of thing I wouldn't expect a Chelsea fan to do. There are certain things you don't expect Chelsea fans to do. And um, and uh, and this was you just... You them back then. We wouldn't spit at them, yeah. You yeah, yeah them no, there's the difference. But that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, we would confront them, but you wouldn't have that kind of thing. And I was little, and I was really taken aback by it. You know, I just thought, oh, God, this is absolutely dreadful in the car with my dad. Um but uh, no, so uh, no, it started in 63 because, of course, we got promotion ahead of them from the second division. And um, and then there were some very, very sprightly performance, uh, sprightly um, uh, in, encounters between the two of us. But it was partly because both sides were really good. Yeah. Because, uh, and but so I, you're bound to have that competition yeah. between the two, you know? But that's for me that you see, this is the this is the, the for me, the fundamental thing, you know, when we're talking about rivalry is you know, I mean, it's the kind of the antithesis to we don't hate you because you're shit. You yeah. know, like yeah. Fulham. There's no rivalry with Fulham. We don't hate you because you're shit. So, that, you know, you have to be competing with this team. There has to be something on it. There has to be skin in the game. And I mean that, and we were, you're right. I mean, we were competing for the league title with them and they kept on finishing like yeah. usually a place or two above us. Yeah. Yeah. We were knocking them out of the FA Cup. But, I mean, but, 67 when we knocked them out in the semi because Lorimer had a goal disallowed. I was there, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yes, but but it, it it was it was um it was the fact that we we um that they were a very filthy side. Well, the, the other the thing, the other you thing, know. they really were. There was such skullduggery going on all the but time. Think, that was not just with Chelsea, with every team. No, no, no. Did. But they were the worst. But I, I think actually the, the point that we we discussed yesterday, actually, I'm be interested to hear what Mark thinks about this. Is that you know essentially you know they would do anything to win. They were the ultimately ruthless professional side. But yeah, actually, yeah. they were the first English side to be really like that. So time-wasting, fouling off the ball, oh, rotational fouling. The shithousery, yeah. Mourinho shithousery. Shit in essence. But they essence were the first the to do it. You know, like rotational yeah. fouling so that the referee didn't know who to book. Yeah. You yeah. know, crowding the referee. They were doing it yeah. 20, 30 years before United ever were. But that's what they were doing, Mark. So they And of all these things that they did then, we now <laughs> see every week, don't we, Mark? <laughs> 
Yeah, they they were masters of dark arts before before their time. And part of it, if you look back at that lead side, they probably did it, but they probably didn't need to do it because actually they were good. There were times where they were a good football side. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, world class. That players. was Clough's big thing when he managed them for the month, wasn't he? He wanted yeah. them to throw to your play. medals in the bin because you all cheated. Yeah. Play yeah. a decent football. That's all he was. Because Johnny Giles was a great player and a great player for United. Great midfielder. I'm really world class midfielder. Gray. Um, Eddie Gray, but Bremner, similarly. Bremner, fantastic player. What a filthy bastard. Yeah. And nearly every challenge was a, was a over the top. You just think, oh, and that wonderful moment when both he and Keegan were sent off in the charity league, charity shield game. Yeah. We're all going, yeah, absolutely bloody because you're the white, both. The decided. whitest man in football. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, if, shirt if, off. yeah, people old enough will remember that game on match of the day against Southampton when they yeah, were yeah, yeah. seven nil up. And like the, they were just passing it around, like yeah, you know, they they just made it look so easy because they they could play, but you know, you know they were a dirty, horrible, nasty side as well. And actually, Re Revy was the epitome of that. Yeah, you know, he would probably send them out with those instructions, and in fact, you know, he would probably say, "Well, you do them first, Giles, then you Bremner, then you Madeley, then you Reeney, you know, and then Alan Clark, you come back and you know stick the boot in as well, and and take turns on particular players. You look at someone like Eden Hazard now." Can you imagine, like you know, the old style Leeds playing like a, a player like Eden Hazard? They would take it in turns to kick him you know, oh, during, yeah. during, during yeah. the course yeah. of the game. But Remy also carried it on as well. You know, when he became England manager, you know, yeah, I, I, I do think deep down he probably held a grudge against Chelsea because he didn't pick, pick certain players. They weren't his style of players. Hudson never really got a look in. Peter Osgood never really got a look in. And even like non-Chelsea players, you know, people like Tony Curry, Stan Bowles, Frank Worthington. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. It wasn't sort of take, taken with flair. And then the other thing that God rest his soul, old Jack Charlton. There was, was that rumor that Jack Charlton had that notebook, black with, book, yeah, with certain players' names in it. Yeah, and most of them were Chelsea. That's players. right. That's right. I mean, you know, that that in a sense, this is why we have this rivalry with them, really. And uh, long may it continue. Um, but I mean, basically, I think you could sum it up saying their fans are horrible, and their that team. The Revy team was horrible too. So, I, and, and and I mean, the other thing you, you you said to me, which is brilliant actually, and I think this is very pertinent to today. Really, every single one of them, every single one of those players was nasty. They all had it in them to kick and foul people. Every one. There, I mean, you look at look at what we've got today. I mean, if you look at the Chelsea side today, you could probably say, well, Rudiger. You know, Rudiger's the one that will be a bit naughty. Maybe one or two other players, but they're all very nice. You know, he have it doing the Leeds. Yeah, in no, you can't. No, 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 no side to any of them. But Leeds, every even the nice guys were bloody horrible and hatchet men. I mean, that it was quite unique, wasn't it? Well, oh. one player actually, I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow is Luke Ayling. Mm. He's a Chelsea fan. Is he really? That I didn't know. Luke Ayling is a Chelsea fan, and you know who his uncle is? Uh no, Ray Lewington. Ray Lewington. He's got Chelsea in his blood. Bloody hell! Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I've seen. It. I, I like him as a player. You know, if we bought Luke Haley, I'd be delighted. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think he's a really good player. Yeah, but well, yeah, he's. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, Bamford's unlikely to play, is he? Because I'm fond of Bamford. I Bamford, think. Bamford's a Chelsea fan too. Obviously, yeah, I of course. Yeah. yeah, I was listening to that you were saying that. You know, and I thought, do you know what, J.K.'s. Right. I like Bamford. You know, you know, I'm really disappointed. He never really got a chance with us. He he had so many loan spells. Yeah, but he was a perfect example also that Norwich wouldn't play him. 
Yeah. They didn't play him either. Yeah. It's the same, same way as Gilmore. He didn't get a look in. No, exactly. Now, uh, talking of Leeds players, as, as we're right to, I mean, interestingly enough, they've got plenty of injury problems, uh, uh, you know, uh, of their own, let alone us. I mean, uh, Phillips is out for ages, which is a massive loss to them. Rodrigo's out, certainly for tomorrow. Bamford's a doubt because he kind of injured himself celebrating his goal the other day. And Koch is also a doubt, um, which is going to be interesting because I mean one would think that that sways it quite heavily in our favour but I think when when Tuchel was asked about uh how to deal with Leeds and Bielsa in the presser I mean he he mentioned you know the intensity that they bring to the game uh their runs and the fact they man mark so that's what we can expect from them uh tomorrow JK um do we do we need to worry about that or or do we just have to play how we normally play I, you know, if if they, I think it would be more difficult if they parked the bus, because I'm not convinced we'd score. Um, uh, I think in an open game, I think we'll win easily, um, given that uh, um, we haven't got as 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 weak a team as we had midweek, and then I don't think there is, and I think we were unlucky, as I've said, we were unlucky against Leeds because of. Um, the the the, the Mondi errors uh, and the defensive error and I, we should have won it um, against uh, against West Ham so um, uh, I I don't foresee a problem really if we play if we play anywhere near the, the our potential and he'll, he'll have given them a rocket or he'll I don't know if he gives rockets Tuchel I think he he just debates with them you know you need to up the intensity and tries to to then replicate that in the training sessions I'd have thought um, but. Uh, um, obviously, this is the kind of team we have to roll over, I, I, and I don't think it's going to be too difficult for us. Mm. I mean, um, one one thing I would say, I mean, you know, Leeds, as we know, like to dominate possession. They like to play football, um, and they do go man for man all over the pitch. But, of course, I think that that, you know, like we were saying earlier when about picking Werner, for example, you know, it leaves gaps which can be exposed and exploited. I've just found this, hang on a second, I've just found this, which is heartwarming, actually, JK, given what we've just been talking about. Under Bielsa, they have a well-earned reputation for open attacking football, but have committed the second most fouls in the top flight this season, ah. 180, and have the most cautions to their name, 41, shared by 17 players. So strip it away, and they're still dirty leads. You just hope that one of those fouls doesn't uh, injure another one of our players, because that would be... That my fear is that we'll have more more injuries at the end of this, and it'll it'll all start falling apart. I mean, every time we play, somebody's led off around the side of the pitch, limping. You just think, oh no, please not again. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think if they're man marking, the thing is, if somebody's quicker than them and better than them, the only option they've got is to foul them, isn't it? So it sort of makes sense. It's, it's, it's like they can't leave it behind, Chidge. Um, obviously, when we go there later in the season, do you know what song they come out to at Ellen Road? Go on. Who's the, the Leeds United band, the well-known band from Leeds? Uh, Pigeon Leeds. Detectives? Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser Chiefs. So Leeds come out to... Um, a riot song. I riot. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. I was thinking it wouldn't be Ruby, 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 would it? Ruby, 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 exactly. I, I, I predict a riot. Although, from our point of view, every day I love you less and less. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised they don't come out to Gang of Four. You know, at home he feels like a tourist or something like that. Well, did you see the Leeds United documentary on Amazon Prime? No. Oh, if, you, if you've got Amazon Prime, yeah, that's there when they got promoted. 
the the soundtrack to it is the gang of four really yeah. one of my favorite bands oh god yeah I've got, i'm trying to remember the track they come out to on it it's it's, it's probably one of you know I'll have to Google it to remind myself. Like, you know, it is, you know, great number. Yeah. Wedding Present were another famous Leeds band, weren't they? They're a good band. Anyway, we digress. Mark, it doesn't take much for Mark and I to stop waffling about music. Sorry, everybody listening to football. football well, I would as well, but I'm afraid you're from a different era from me. We are. I know. I know. We're not big fans of big band jazz music, JK. Or, 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 or is it or is it Beethoven? I don't know. Hey, what? No, <laughs> McFadden and Whitehead ain't no stopping us now. Love it, Ooh. Sam and Dave. Yes, sir. We oh. can boogie. Yes, exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> well, Listen, what? On go on. Yeah, people are listening in. Yeah, make sure you're taking part in Tim Rolls's World Cup quiz at oh. the moment. It's fantastic. It's driving out the wall. But- but it's completely biased to the jam win everything. You want to go? No, God, there's a really good song there. No, no. And the jam win it again. No, come on. It's just so indicative of who follows him, which is quite worrying. Listen, yeah. back to the football. Um, I, I, I'm going to introduce a new thing, right? Because I know that that lovely uh, preview I get from Flash Score is great. And it has a hot stat, right? And their hot stat is 11 of the last 14 Premier League head-to-heads between, uh, the I think, us and them, although that doesn't make sense, maybe it's in total, I don't know, have seen at least one goalless half. Right, I've got a new one for you, boys. Worrying stat of the week. Okay, I've now formalised what I normally pick out. And this week, the worrying stat of the week is this. Chelsea are targeting a fifth successive home league win against Leeds for the first time. We all know what that means. It doesn't mean it's the kiss of death, Chidge. Well, it quite often is, mate. No, nah, it means, that, means we win tomorrow. All right. Yeah, okay. exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll park your, it. Your pessimistic trousers I'll park on. It there. Too pessimistic. But I think it's yeah. a worrying stat. I'm going to introduce oh, this every no, week. No. Worrying we, stat yeah. of the week. Let's put it this way: if we if we didn't know about it, we wouldn't have thought about it. No, I yeah. listen. Bottom line is, chaps. I, you know, we got to win this game. I mean, you know, after after losing to West Ham last week, after drawing to United and Burnley a few weeks before that, um, Watford was more bad performance but good result. But we need to get back on the bike, you know, because just just for confidence's sake, I think. But also, you know, we can't. I mean, I said, look, you know, OK, we're not top at the moment. It happens. But what we can't do over the next few weeks, we've got all these Premier League games, is to cut ourselves adrift from City and Liverpool. We've got to stay, you know, in touch with them. And when I say in touch, I mean three or four points max, you know, maybe less, really. So we've got to win it tomorrow, J.K. Completely and utterly. I said that it will. They're all must win, aren't they? Otherwise, it'll be Tuchel out. You know? No, it won't. Not by no, anybody it, with a brain, it won't. No, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about social media. Not that I, you know, it won't be for me, but um, everybody will, will start questioning his credentials. Well, the, um, the, only, the only people who will be saying that on social media are idiots. That's yeah. being polite. Or... Yeah. Uh, they are also likely to be opposition fans and trolls. I mean, Martin yes. Wickham is the man to talk to about this. I mean, I don't think he's completely got a tinfoil hat on, but he, you know, he he thinks it's all part of this kind of mass disinformation division campaign that is quite often fueled by social media. And I have to say, it works, doesn't it? You just see what happens when somebody drops a bomb in like that. Everybody yeah. goes for it. Everybody bites. Yeah. yeah, they all they all agree. Yeah, they all they all bite completely. Even you just think that's a completely ridiculous premise. You're right. right. Yeah, no, I, I, but I, you know, I, I I can't believe that with his the discipline and the training methods and the players he's got that that we would, um, 
we would fail to uh, to perform well tomorrow. I can't believe it. So you're confident, Mark? How about you? Uh, I'm I'm confident, and I think it has been a frustrating few weeks. But as we were saying earlier, when Liam was here, yeah, injuries haven't helped. We've had a couple of frustrating home games where we've played Burnley, and we played Burnley. Oh, sorry, Man United, but I thought they were Burnley in disguise. Um, I think we'll win tomorrow. Um, I, I said on Prem predictions earlier, I've, I've gone for a three nil, and it's quite important as well that point about keeping in touch with everybody. If you look at like the history of Chelsea, and even go back twelve months ago. And we had that Frank period. We were on such a great run. Then we had the mother of all Decembers where we st- st- things started going wrong. Then it continued in January. We've now got like, s- how many games left in December? Six games in December. And they're all winnable. You know? and, and, yeah. So you go from that lull, draws, defeat of West Ham. And you could go into the new year, and we, before we play the Scouse Gits in early January, you know, on the back of six wins. You know, we can beat Leeds. We can beat Everton on Thursday night. We can get a result at Wolves got Brentford in the cup, and then we've got Villa and Brighton. You know, win those six games, you know, all the Twitter twats can then sort of like Twitter away on something else. It won't be about Chelsea or Tommy Tuchel. Mm. I mean, they're all winnable games, but I think, you know, going back to where we started the show pretty much tonight, you know, Tuchel's right. We've got to be invested in it. We've got to be at it from the minute. We've got to keep going, and we can't just sit there and rest on our laurels just because we go a goal up. Oh, God, yeah. And have players back. back. Yeah. Sorry, one one at a time. You first, Mark, then JK. And we need some of those players back as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what I said. Is that what you say? You almost basically were in sync. We were completely in sync. I said, and we need to have those players back. Well, there you go. Great minds think alike. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite confident tomorrow because I just think that that after after the the last two games, you know, uh, losing to West Ham in the last few minutes, drawing against Zenit in the last few minutes Thomas Tuchel is quite understandably a bit pissed off and grumpy so I think he would have got into them my only worry if I have a worry because you know me I like to have a little bit of a worry wouldn't be the same if I didn't have a little bit of a worry my only worry is the fact that because we were out in St Petersburg on Wednesday we will have had very little uh, recovery time and training time whereas Leeds will have had an entire week to prepare for this game that's the slight worry that I have. I mean, thank God it's not a 12 o'clock kickoff and it's a 3 o'clock. That, that I think, will help us. But I think that they've got injuries too. They can't score. They're in shit form. They're, they're down in, what, 15th position. There's a reason for that. You know, we've got better players than them and a better manager. And, you know, they play they play like they should and they, they're at it. I think that we'll win. There we go. So, put a score on it, JK. 3-0. 3-0, Mark. Uh, said earlier, I've gone for 3-0 on Prem Predictions. Yeah, well, I, I hate to worry you all, because we all know what I'm like at Prem Predictions, let alone JK. Um, I've also gone for 3-0 on Prem Predictions, so there we go. Would it, would it be nostalgically nice if it was 4-0? Oh, it'd be better if it was 5-0. Oh, yes, 5-0. So we could either do a 72 or an 83-4. We could. If we did the 72, we could have like Joe 90 running on the pitch when we get to 4-0. Yeah. We could, we could, we could. That would be brilliant. <laughs> we forgot to mention earlier on, actually, that fantastic match in the Capital One Cup in 2012 when we were under that idiot Benitez and we beat them 5-1. Arguably one of the best atmospheres at a game in the modern era, I would say. I love the fact we were kept in at the end. Yeah. 20 minutes and yeah. every single song that you could sing was sung it was uh, yeah. Jimmy Savile he's one of your own absolutely yeah, absolutely sung. 
It was a cracking night. I was one of the. I don't have many regrets when it comes to football, but I really regret not getting on the train for that one. But there you go. Um, right, I think we're we're pretty much there. I, I've really enjoyed it tonight. It's been a bit different with no opposition view, but of course it allowed us the opportunity to really, you know, get to talk about why there's such a big rivalry between Chelsea and Leeds and why it matters so much tomorrow that they turn up and they beat the bastards, send the dirty Leeds back to Yorkshire. Yeah, beat the fuckers. Yeah. We all so. hate Leeds and Leeds and Leeds, Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. Okay, all right. We have got to go. Sadly, we've got to go. Sadly, it's been great fun tonight, as I said. Uh, been brilliant seeing you, Mark. Thank you for stepping in at the breach. As I said, lovely to see you as always. Lovely to see you both. Lovely to see Liam and his beautiful dog as mm. well. Um, yes, we have to beat Leeds tomorrow because it's it's dirty Leeds. Um, should have brought it along. We could have played out with a bit of ACDC. But again, another reason to win tomorrow. Good friend of mine um, having a drink with him tomorrow because it's his birthday this weekend. Dan Ford is 65 this weekend. So we've got to beat you know, Chelsea so he doesn't see us lose on his birthday. So mm. yeah. quite, quite right, quite right. Mark, always great having you on the show. Uh, JK, um, well, lovely to see you again. Thank you. Love to see you too. Love to see Mark. Great stuff. Well done, my friend. Now, JK and I will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show uh, with Martin Wickham and Dane Whittle at 7pm. And, uh, of course, we'll be looking back at the Leeds match and ahead to the Everton match, which is on Thursday. Thursday? Why? Amazon, isn't it? Is it Amazon or is it BT? Amazon Prime, I think, Thursday. Yeah, well, I can't go because I'm I'm working till 7, so that screws me but there you go uh now on friday uh we'll be back with the preview show with jk me and guess who mark me in hey there you go twice in uh twice in a row lovely stuff rafa benitez songs oh my god yeah we've got rafa turning up yeah 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 yeah, yeah. thought of that well we'll be looking back at the everton match obviously and we'll be looking ahead to the wolves match uh at the weekend so there you go so uh that's all from us this uh week uh thank you very much for listening Hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. See you on Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.